Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking for the best book named Crying in H-Mart. To help me are two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, my name is Joe Holshu. I'm just going to be making crying noises throughout this whole thing, right. but I don't I don't know that I'm good at it because I mostly make like dog crying noises. So it's like <laughs> dog. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, how dogs cry. Uh, doves cry. Other things that cry. Uh, willows weep. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm a high school good. English teacher, and uh, this week I'm going to be just needling Ian while he talks about this sad, sad book that he brought. I, oh, is it sad? I like the fact that that Joe's crying sounds sounded a little bit like when he used to do trope of the week, and he did the <laughs> mouth sounds. <laughs> just the first one. Uh, uh, Anyang Haseo, Nick. Anyang Haseo, Joe, and uh, yeah, back at you. This is this is Korean for hello. I learned okay. a lot of Korean this week. Uh, this week I'm Dr. Ian DeYoung. This week I'm a high school English teacher, and this week I read Michelle Zauner's New York Times bestseller memoir about music, food, and death. Crying in H Mart. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, <laughs>, <laughs> Guys, you want to know how just how basic this book choice was? Here's how basic this book choice was. I said to myself, I want to read something kind of out of my lane, outside my lane. And so I was looking through the, ooh, I'm gonna, I hate myself as I'm saying it aloud. Nice. I was reading through I the hate New it York too. Times weekend newsletter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it recommended is like. What's wrong with that? There's well, no shame here. It's, it's what Stop. It, don't don't shame. Reading it, reading it is fine, but then talking about reading it, that right. is what prigs <laughs> do. And so I, I saw this that's book. That's the whole podcast. Yep, that's true. I mean the the, it's like the word a I podcast used. about newsletters. <laughs> <laughs> so I this book was recommended in by the New York Times. It came out in 2021. Um, it was number two on the New York Times bestseller list. And it stayed on the hardback fiction, hardback nonfiction for like eighty weeks. So it was, um, it's a, it's a, it's a big book. It's a well-known book. Okay, so this is a regional thing, I believe. What is an H Mart? Is this now? Let's do a KWL. What do you know about? What do you guys know about H Mart? Nothing. I don't know. Is it a real place? It is. So it is she's not. Place. She's not. It's not really regional so much as cultural. You'll find H Mart where there are. Where there are large Asian populations, um, mm -hmm. and it's like in the of, United States, you're saying, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So there are a bunch of large Pacific Asian Northwest. populations in the United States. Yes, Nick. Good. <laughs> well, I'm just from a small town in uh, Wisconsin, so I don't really know where this, <laughs> what this is all about. Is that like Piggly Wiggly? Hey, did you know Piggly Wiggly was the first? You know what I started reading, Joe? Was uh, oh, the no. um, Anthropocene Review? Oh, amazing book! And uh, there's a chapter on Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's the first, it was the first grocery store, the Amazing. first self-serve grocery store, like a hundred oh, years ago or whatever. Self-serve grocery store. Gotcha. It's like, we're going to put the cashiers in the front and we're going to put the food in the aisles. Mr. Right. Is Mr. Mr. Pickle. Well, it, it also was the first <laughs> Mr. Pickles. Pickle. P-I-G-G-L. My name is Mr. Pickle and this is my wiggle. <laughs> 
No, you know how he came up for the name? This The guy who invented it was like like he was like a visionary. Um, he, Disrupting. He he named it, you know why it's called Piggly Wiggly? Because people asked what the name was about and he liked confusing people. He thought it was good for business. Whoa. He's like, it's sticky. People remember it. Yeah. And then he went wow. on to invent the, the current form of grocery store, which is like uh, you have to have money up front and all this stuff. Interesting. Did he invent the thing where the same five multinational corporations own the grocery stores? Yeah, this is Jeff out? Bezos. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> He's still alive. He's the undead uh, corpse of uh, yeah. Piggly Wiggly. He, he lives. He lives in the freezers in the back. The freezers yeah. in the back. Of the Talking about Jeff Bezos being a, an undead corpse really reminds me of the end of Animal Farm, where the pigs dress up like the people and walk around. And there's yeah. something about this conversation of Jeff Bezos starting Piggly Wiggly and now is an undead corpse that makes me think that Jeff Bezos is just a pig in human clothing. And this has been free association with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, you had something valuable Does to say. Does anybody else have that exact same thought? Uh, please. Uh, oh, the, all the, the lids are like, me, me, it's me. <laughs> Piggly Wiggly by me used to have, Piggly Wiggly is a grocery store, at least in Wisconsin. I don't know if it exists anywhere else. Yeah. But they used to have the, don't, the Texas donuts. Okay. Tell me more. As a donut connoisseur, I'm, I'm, I, I'm intrigued. Okay. I don't know what a Texas donut does either. Well, if you know anything about Texas, it says they do everything the big way. And so mm-hmm. these donuts are bigger than your head. <laughs> you can just buy them. Oh, no. It was kind of like the, uh, the 7-Eleven thing where um, you, uh, it was like 50 cents for, for a four-ounce soda. Or for 55 oh. cents, you can have 128 ounces. <laughs> you can just get a gallon, yes. <laughs> so I'm sure we're going to find out what an H-Mart is. Ian, do you want to tell us what this book is about? All right. Some books have stupid, useless titles like Moby Dick. What is a Moby Dick? Why is it Moby? <laughs> Who is Dick? Other books have really, really good, clear, focused titles. And my book this week is one of them. This book is about a few things which are clearly signaled in the title. It's about crying, about sorrow, sadness, death. And it's about Korean culture, which if you know what H-Mart is, you'll you'll connect that to Korean culture. It's also about food. H-Mart is a grocery store. Crying in H-Mart is about mu- also about music and family and death and the pain of missed opportunities. This book hit me square in the feels. The, uh, the book is Michelle Zahner's Crying in, as I've said multiple times, H-Mart. H-Mart sounds like a really cool place. I like going to Asian grocery stores because she talks it's about the how, best. Yeah, because it's the best. She talks yeah, about it's how, the best. how you go in there and she, she's talking as someone who has a lot of experience cooking Asian food. She goes in there and she's like, Oh dude, I could cook so many different things. I'm not a person who has a ton of experience with cooking Asian food. And yet I go in and I'm like, Ooh, maybe I do need the squid in mm, coconut oil. Yeah. Maybe I should buy the Pollock Row. It's just like it it tempts you to 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 step outside what you've what you've done before. Or just totally befuddles you, which is what happens to me when I go into an Asian grocery store where I'm like, I don't know. I've never seen any of this stuff before. I just I'm just here for the broccolini. Like like you have the little broccolis, that's all I want. Oh, is it a metaphor? Ian, is that what this book was like reading for you? Was it uh peering into a different uh because you're not half Korean. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Um, even, I'm not even a fraction Korean. I'm, I'm going to come out here, folks, on this on the show. I'm going to come out here right here and now and say I'm not Korean at all. There's zero right. percent Korean 
in the. Is it a little bit of peak? Who's? Uh, I have a one star review for you from Lauren. Love it. I was really hoping yes, you would. Yes, you. please, yeah. please, please. Um, one star review here from Lauren, who is also accomplished 559 other reviews. So wow, they all Lauren. one stars. Ooh, what a what a lie. What a, <laughs> I want to read. I want to see that person's biopic. The the, the Goodreads mm. one star reviewer. We should start a Goodreads for you don't know lit and just leave one star review. <laughs> 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 it. That would be that would be so wacky. All right. <laughs> Uh, one part boring, two parts child abuse, four parts Korean food. No, thanks. <laughs> Whoa. That's quite a cocktail. No wonder she can write so many reviews. That was very short, short and, and sweet. sweet. Uh, can you break down that? that, um, that yeah. So here's the again? recipe. Here's the recipe. Yeah, one yeah. more time for you. I'll go slower. One part boring. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be your base. Yeah. Two parts child abuse. And then you so simmer that? No, I don't. You reduce it. I think you reduce the child abuse. Well, ideally, uh, four parts Korean food. That's a good ratio. I'd rather have more Korean food than um, child abuse. Child abuse. The thing sure. about this yeah. this review that it sounds like it should be a, at least a three star review. Like, that's a good ratio. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's ridiculous. I think I think um, the Korean food is certainly a part of this. Um, I, I child abuse. I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure where where that's coming from it's that there's there's some difficult relationships with parents but i've that might be just kind of par for the course with memoir if you wrote a memoir there's gonna be some difficult relationships with your parents you're not gonna say yeah they were great forever and we never fought <laughs> this book was one page <laughs> that's true it's one like, day we t- went to h martin had some noodles <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> and they were great mm-hmm. The book's inception was um, a uh, a New Yorker article that Zahner wrote um, that went viral, and then she turned it into uh, the the longer book. And really, the, the, the I, I say the title it kind of tells you all that the book has a lot of a lot of sorrow in it. It's got a lot of grief. Her mom dies of cancer, and um, a lot, one of the reviews I read talks about how um, a lot of times cancer is represented as like, oh, you know, the, the people are so inspirational and like there's heroism and there is some heroism and there's some selflessness and, and her and her dad as they help her mom. But a lot of this is like cancer sucks. Here is how bad cancer is for the patient. Here's what it does to people. So, so there's a lot of like serious crying, just, just crying in this book. And there's a lot of H mark. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. It's right I mean, like the title. <laughs> I think the listeners need a, a visual representation of HMR. Yeah, what they need a word picture. Very equipped to yeah, share this, that. I mean, it just, it's, it seems like it's going to keep coming up. Okay. So I was thinking <laughs> more of a, a convenience mark. No, it's not. No, and it's she not. Talks it's a full oh, grocery store, but it has. Yeah, Let me no. read her, her description of, uh, her, her brief description of HMR. Well, he already Googled it. Start with, I don't think we need the words on the page. We have Google images. Right. Like who needs, who Nick needs words? Described it beautifully. Litheads, picture one of those strip malls where they have a lot of businesses and then the one big business that gets the one big front with the one the big anchor. sign. The anchor. Yeah. They just changed the K to an H. That's pretty much all the only difference. Yeah. Inside an H Mart complex, there will be some kind of food court, an appliance shop, and a pharmacy. Usually, there's a beauty counter where you can buy Korean makeup and skincare products with snail mucin or caviar oil, or a face mask that vaguely boasts placenta. 
Who's placenta? Who knows? There will usually be a pseudo-French bakery with wheat coffee, bubble tea, and, a, and an array of glowing pastries that always look much better than they taste. Um, she says it at the very, very, very beginning of the book. H Mart is a supermarket chain that specializes in Asian food. The H stands for Han Arum, a Korean phrase that roughly translates to one arm full of groceries. So that's it's, not that's how good. I would have described it. Well, <laughs> I mean, listen, Mr. Clarence Saunders, Clarence Saunders, the guy who made Piggly Wiggly, he's the one who gets to call his star Piggly Wiggly. The people who made H Mart, they're allowed to call it H Mart. So, you know. Uh, okay. So is this the setting for the book, more no. or less? <laughs> the book is not <laughs> No, 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 no. It, um, the the H Mart like, is where I gotta go back to H Mart again. <laughs> she manages to it's find herself plot. there every chapter. No, um, the the H Mart is kind of the the um, the the way in and a way for us to understand her experience with. Um, <laughs> We're doing a great job. <laughs> okay, so okay, the way to understand a, a symbol, a symbol of her engagement with of her engagement with her culture. So her engagement with her culture is not like getting into Korean drama or Korean music or Korean literature, though she does do some Korean music stuff. Her big connection to Korean culture is food. And so this book, yes, like the part, a big part of it is my mom is dying of cancer. The other big part of it is I am going from kind of a passive consumer uh, of Korean food to somebody who really is kind of good at making a wide variety of pretty complex and pretty amazing sounding Korean dishes. This is almost as much like a food memoir as it is a, my mother died of cancer memoir. Is that like the two big things going on? Yeah. I mean, it's crying and it's H Mart. It's, it's, it's a super, I think it's a kind of a weird overlap. So I asked you guys ahead of time and you probably completely forgot. um, What foods do you associate with memories? And these can be good memories. They can be bad memories. They can be, ambiguous but ambivalent but like what 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 foods do you have associations with i've talked on the show before about um lining kugel's summer shandy with a certain era of my life when i was i was cheap and i was a grad student and i was going to concerts in milwaukee and i was like we'd go out for a drink after the show and and i would always drink a lineys and it was hot and Mm -hmm. yeah what about you guys yeah mine is um i i remember um these texas donuts (laughs) <laughs> and i used okay, to so get them when i was them. a kid what yeah was the, what was that what do they signal for you and oh being a good boy oh. <laughs> a good good boy yeah when i was a good boy i got the big texas donut which hindsight is like oh man these things must have been so unhealthy <laughs> that's like uh when you eat certain food and then that's the end of your day mm. <laughs> no matter what time you eat it <laughs> you go home and you just nose dive into the couch <laughs> Yeah. Yep. So That's wait, funny. I just want to ask a follow-up question for Nick. Nick, like sprinkle. Could should we like chocolate sprinkle? <laughs> no, vanilla. Just, I like just, vanilla just, sprinkle, yeah. Interesting. Okay. And was that your really your question? I would that was that was kind of the first part of the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously. Gonna, Nick is gonna do this show without us pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is the real AI. Um the, 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 the kind of the follow-up is like um when when you see those donuts or when you have donuts that are that have that like does does that sort of bring bring back the the joy of like immediate mouth right mouth feels right as the chefs yeah. would say right as the okay. culinary art artists uh-huh. would say interesting my mouth feel is wet and <laughs> chewy voluptuous 
Oh God! All right, Joe. Do you have any mouth feels, Joe? Tell us about yeah, your mouth. I've got. How's your mouth? I've got some mouth feels. So it's funny because at first I'm like, Looking I don't think I have any of these. Feels. And then as you guys were talking, I was like, I can think of four of these. Right? Nice. Uh, the, Calm down. The one that the one that comes to mind right away is at Christmas every year, at like the big family Christmas. Christmas, we have a pickle tree there. I don't oh know what gosh. to describe. I love Wisconsin it. it's like, so much. Like, it's like tinfoil. Okay. It's very German. The holder is a big part of this. It is a, I assume like a styrofoam block wrapped in tinfoil with all toothpicks stuck right. in the side. In the shape of, of a the, Christmas tree. In the shape of a Christmas tree. I've never, Nick, I'm 37 Holy years old. Holy shit, you I've never put that, that together? Christmas, I've been to that Christmas 37 <laughs> times. Jesus, I've never once it's put It's Christmas that shaped. <laughs> I just thought it was the traditional holder for the pickle tree. Arrows. What other things are cones in your life? It's uh, like ice cream. <laughs> I, upside down ice cream cones. Ice cream. Quiet. Uh, I was traffic. <laughs> yep. On this cone are a bunch of pickles, and those pickles are wrapped in ham. And then I yeah, assume like cream cheese Some is on sort the inside. Of, yeah, cheese, yeah. Some sort of cream cheese is on the inside. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they are um kind of disgusting. Oh, of course. And yeah, also yeah. just incredibly delicious. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. And it reminds me of my family Christmas. This book, it, like I said, it's a memoir. It's largely focused on the passing of Zahner's mother from cancer. But it's also kind of in investigating, excavating the way that food helps us make memories and grieve and heal. So Zahner, um, Zahner's mom is Korean. Her dad is American. She kind of goes through, I mean, she lives in Eugene, Oregon, where, which is not a particularly diverse area. So there's people who, you know, point at, point at her at school and make fun of her. And she kind of has a complex relationship with being part Korean. Um, her mom loves to cook and her mom loves food. There's a whole section early on where her mom, it's just like, like running down the, her mom's eating habits and the way that her mom's eating habits have shaped uh, Zahner's eating habits. Um, we learn about a lot of stuff in this book, her childhood, her difficult relationship with her dad, difficult relationship with her mom, difficult relationship with her Korean heritage. We learn about Zahner's career in pop music, but mostly we look at, we learn about the ways that um, she associates food, different kinds of food with different phases or stages of her mom's passing. And I just, I love this because it's, it's multidimensional. Like I was just saying, it's, kind of part food memoir and part, you know, personal tragedy memoir. And that, that makes both the food part richer and the personal tragedy part yeah. more complex. Is this book in the food section? This is the question. I feel like this is, or, or is, is this, this is like kind of like a new, I don't know. Is this a new genre? I feel like in the last 15 years or something, there's just like this explosion of like, here's my family. And here's and the food, we all ate. the problems. Yep. And then here's yeah. the food we ate to try to is like a way into that story. Is that a genre? Well, I think food is just so central to family. Th it, like, like it's so central to like your experience. It can, yeah. For so certain cultures too. Right. You see that more. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, cause like I, I'm not writing a memoir about uh, McDonald's or Texas donuts. Although, Although now that you think about it, now that I think about it, I think speaking of Texas donuts, terrible. it would be a terrible. Know book. that the first part of the, the first chapter of you know uh, too many butlers is set in Texas. No guarantees in where the next chapter. <laughs> Everybody knows that, uh, but maybe maybe Texas donuts have to make an appearance in. Um, I think it's a really good question again, and this is kind of the, the question that I had. Where would you find this? Is does is it under Korean? Is it under food? Is it under 
memoir. Is it under pop music? Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar they, with. Does the library have three copies in the book? Probably. The library. Oh, oh, that's that's different the places. That's what she's going for. Um, <laughs> you may or may not be familiar with, with Zoner as a singer. Her band is Japanese Breakfast. It's kind of like shoegazy. Um, alternative oh, that's pop. Interesting. It's it's good. I've been listening to a lot of. I was introduced to Japanese Breakfast last year, and I've been listening to a lot of their music in the lead up. She, she this isn't really a, a kind of a, a rock memoir, a, a music memoir, but kind of is. Like she talks about yeah. being playing in bands and the way that she was in a band, and then her mom got sick, and basically she like kind of quit music for a while. And the way that her her debut album from with Japanese Breakfast comes out of her trauma from this 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 grieving process so it's a lot of things there's a lot of different intersections i think nick to answer your question yes this is maybe becoming a new genre or maybe it's just that one of the easiest ways for us to comprehend cultures that are separate from us is through food because like if i want to if i want to yeah get into like korean culture i could listen to k-pop but i don't know korean I could watch some Korean dramas, but I don't know Korean. I don't know the kind of the rhythms of those of those K dramas. I could eat some Korean food from the Korean restaurant in town and be like, "Oh, okay." When they talk about um, uh, jjigae or uh, uh, bibimbap, that's this is that this is that thing. These are glass on these are glass noodles. That's that's a point of contact for me that requires. Oh, and when I say this, it sounds kind of bad. It requires very little work on my part, <laughs> but it's accessible. It is, it, yeah, it's, it's an very, accessible yeah. point. It's an entry yeah, point. For sure. Yes, it's an entry point. I'm glad we were able to put that into a nice little box. Yep. There we go. <laughs> we did it. One of the things I, I like about this book is something I'm going to call the momentous normal. This is a phenomenon, which I'm just about the uh, eventus momentous normal. This is a phenomenon I just made up. and I'm talking about like it's like it's a a thing. Um, Firsthand experiences. Stay with me here. Firsthand experiences Mm -hmm. of statistically common experiences seem earth shattering. So when you have a statistically common thing happen to you, but Mm -hmm. it's the first time it's happened to you. It seems like it freaking messes you up. It's like what? So. I'm, I just had a child born. Um, children have been born for many, many, many years, quite like decades at least. Not like this one though. Huh? <laughs> and yet, <laughs> and yet like in, in the moment I was like, this is, this is true. This is true. I know, no hyperbole. This is true magic. Your first kiss, the untimely yeah. death of yeah. a loved one, um, watching a loved one pass away. These things have been happening to us. Um, Hamlet, uh, Shakespeare's play Hamlet uses the word common. Um, to talk about this. Well, character is like, yeah, dude, Hamlet, stop grieving about your dad. Your dad lost a dad and his dad lost a dad. This is common. People lose their parents. And Hamlet's like, yeah, dude, it's common and it hurts me to my very core. So when I, when I say like these things, when you, like you guys think back to your first kiss or to a, a loss of a family member you've experienced, everybody has these mostly. But when this happened to you, 
it was, it rocked your world. We run into this all the time with students. Um, when students are writing their college essays, right? Students have to write a college essay. And a lot of times they have to talk about a meaningful experience to them or, or that's what they choose right. to write about. Or AI does. <laughs> or AI does. But the problem is, is that the meaningful experiences in a 17 year old life, they all have the same ones, yeah. right? They want to talk about their sports injury. Students, they want to talk about you. their if parents' divorce. They want to talk about <laughs> yeah, we, we love you so much. Well, and, and one of the challenges and, and one of the challenges we have is like, okay, if your parents are divorced, dear student who wants to write about this, that event has been a fundamental shaping force in your life, right? Like that has affected every single thing about your life from the moment it happened and probably well before, but it's not uncommon. Right. So in order to stand out when you write that essay about your parents who are divorced, you have to say something interesting about it. You know, you have to say something that other people haven't said I about it. You have so to say much. something especially <laughs> poignant about it. Do you? Yeah. It's, I it, hate college essays so much. I think it's like, oh, fucking nope, oh, oh, tell us your sad story. Right, tell us, you know, right. like, no, nope, no, nope, totally I disagree. I think, I think it's a killer genre. And I think a lot of times it's students who are talking about something that they care about in a meaningful way and for the first time in their lives. I think it's absolutely lovely. I don't think getting into college should be therapy. Ooh, <laughs> a good counterpoint there. I, well, I would also say that many students write about things that, um, not bad things that happen to them, but like, they're like, let me tell you what just lights my brain on fire about molecular biology. Like, like let me tell you sure. why I think this thing is so effing right. cool, right? Like, that's that's a different way. So, so this, this book, this book does this, it's got, and, and I think it does what, uh, according to Joe, a good college essay would do. Yeah, I know in this book, a mom gets cancer and dies and her daughter has a complicated relationship with her and grieving is hard. Like this is not, this is not uncommon. It is common, but she tells it carefully and she tells it honestly and she's open and she anchors it on food. And so we can share to some extent how this, how much this impacted her. We might rationally think of the, the sort of content of this book as jejun, as boring, um, as like, I've seen this before as, as thinking like publishers, what, what, what's the, what's the angle, but the way she mm, tells yeah. it imbues it with a weight and makes this normal seem momentous, the momentous normal. Listening to you talk, Ian, I couldn't help but kind of Go thinking to sleep. about yeah, how happens. I'd really love to have a little potbelly pig named Hamlet. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, oh, that's good. Dress it up like a person. Like with a little rock. Yeah, well, yeah, we would have outfits. Like, would there be a little, I know this is like a, a I know this is different, like a skull. No, yeah, no, that's a not a skull that, that he not, would have. Yeah, yeah. He, is that in Hamlet? Yeah, yeah the little yeah. skull. Yeah, <laughs> oh, could you imagine the little heart? Uh, <laughs> a little oh, human skull or a pig skull? Would it be a human skull or a pig <laughs> skull? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Any skull, Joe. I have one more thing to say about this book. She is in an interesting place because she is part in and part out of Korean food culture. Korean food is meaningful to her. She experiences it partially and she wants to engage in it, but she's part Korean. She doesn't speak Korean. When she goes back to Korea, there is this language barrier. So this book is really kind of another place this could be shelved is quest narrative. This is a quest from sort of a rejection or a passivity about her culture to an acceptance of full throated engagement in her culture. Um, she goes from kind of rejecting her mother, like they have this difficult relationship to missing her and wishing that she could have more time to cook and eat with her mom. And she's like, I wish I had more time with my mom to enjoy food because that was one of the places where we bonded. And the kind of climax of this, of this book, it's not the, the last chapter, but it's, it's sort of like where this book is leading is a triumphant trip to H Mart 
where she gets the ingredients to finally make her own kimchi. Everyone has been making kimchi in her life, like all like her, her mom, her, her, uh, her aunties and, and all these folks that she's known. And now she's living a continent away from them on her own. Most of like her mom passes, her aunt passes and she's like, I got to make my own kimchi. And so she goes and she narrates it like this is where the the, not, the, the book kind of shades into food, food memoir, because she's like, here's what I did with the cabbage leaves. Here's how long I let them sit. Like she's she's lovingly, thoroughly describing this. And this is the the culmination of the quest. The quest is Michelle Zahner, lead singer of Japanese Breakfast, manages to kind of become the person that she wants to be the person, a person that can make herself kimchi boy when i say it like that it sounds pretty uh pretty the kimchi is her mom the <laughs> the cabbage is her mom the, the cabbage the is her mom. bean paste is her <laughs> aunt <laughs> yeah so i really enjoyed this book um i wanted to cook korean food and um i wanted to think about more carefully about the ways that food impacts me so thank you michelle zahner for this All right, Litheads, we love you. We appreciate you. If you care what we talk about on this show, you can head on over to you don't know litpodcast.com where you can suggest a book, you can suggest a theme, you can request a sticky. The best thing that you could do for the show is to tell a bookish friend about it, right? Grab that weird, quiet kid in the corner, be like, hey, do you like podcasts? I like this, this podcast. It sounds and like bullying. Like, Shove this, this your earbuds in bully. their ears. <laughs> cool. Book sounds awesome, man. Congratulations, uh, Michelle. I'm going to read uh, a uh, quote from towards the end of the book where she's talking about who else? Her mom. Zahner says, she was my champion. She was my archive. She had taken the utmost care to preserve the evidence of my existence and growth, capturing me in images, saving all my documents and possessions. She had all knowledge of my being memorized. The time I was born, my unborn cravings, the first book I read, the formation of every characteristic, every ailment and little victory, she had observed me with unparalleled interest, inexhaustible devotion. Now that she was gone, there was no one left to ask about these things. The knowledge left unrecorded died with her. What remained were documents and my memories, and now it was up to me to make sense of myself aided by the signs she left behind. How cyclical and bittersweet for a child to retrace the image of their mother, for a subject to turn back to document their archivist. I had thought fermentation was controlled death. Left alone, a head of cabbage molds and decomposes, it becomes rotten, inedible. But when brined and stored, the course of its decay is altered. Sugars are broken down to produce lactic acid, which protects it from spoiling. Carbon dioxide is released, and the brine acidifies. It ages. Its color and texture transmute. Its flavor becomes tartar, more pungent. It exists in time and transforms, so it is not quite controlled death, because it enjoys a new life altogether. The memories I had stored I could not let fester could not let trauma infiltrate and spread to spoil and render them useless. They were moments to be tended, 
The culture we shared was active, effervescent in my gut and in my genes, and I had to seize it, foster it so that it, it, it did not die in me, so that I could pass it on someday. The lessons she imparted, the proof of her life lived on in me in my every move and deed. I was what she left behind. If I could not be with my mother, I would be her.